Hey guys, Lisa Stanley here, your resident rentienta with what goes on around here. And today, what's going on around here is my friend Matt Eisman. He hosts the hit TV show American Ninja Warriors, but he's really the warrior. Wait till you hear Matt's story. Welcome to What Goes On Around Here with your local renta yenta Yeah, that's me, Lisa Stanley. <laughs> okay, well, can I pull the curtain back a little bit here? Because, so first of all, the, the, this that's is a Matt podcast. Eisman. This is Matt Eisman as, as I hijacked this. I do need to make a point here because this is really not fair. You say renta yenta Now, yes. we're actually at your, your radio studios. Yes. And so I come in, though, expecting this to be a podcast. So I'm wearing plaid shorts and a three-quarter shirt. You walk out looking like Stevie Nicks in the Rhiannon sessions. Literally this flowing gown. I can see your backpack over there that's glittery. Your backpack has full makeup on. Literally. That's your backpack Blinky. has lashes. Oh, no, Blinky has her lashes on. This is, oh, yeah. So I don't want this rent a yenta to go around here because I'm the one who looks like the guy who's like, hey, uh, you, 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 the fridge that needs to be moved is over. Over there. <laughs> I did greet him and say, You are the cutest little nerd. nerd I know. <laughs> With his Furthermore, shorts. right. I know. Clearly not fitting in, in the radio era. Here, but if people me. really knew, I mean, I, I guess your fans probably know, but I'm talking to other people right now who probably don't know yeah. that, that you really are. You host a show called American Ninja Warrior. But you know what, Matt? And I'm all seriousness, you're the warrior. You really Thank are. Thank you. No, it's really the truth because That's awesome, you Lisa. are, you wear like 70 billion hats. Okay. Comedian, actor, TV host, a corporate speaker. Uh, I mean, God knows what you, you and Seacrest move over Seacrest. <laughs> Someone's coming towards Seacrest you. Seacrest just gets paid a lot more Seacrest than I do. Out. That's the problem. Eisman <laughs> in. But here's the thing. The thing that I don't know how many people do know about you, I know some do, you started out your life very differently. You have a fantastic father who's an unbelievable doctor, and you decided at some point in your young youth that you were going to follow in dad's footsteps, and you became a real doctor. Tell everybody about what happened there. Well, uh... You, I guess growing up, my my I was very lucky. I grew up in in Denver, in uh, the suburbs of Denver, and my parents kind of came from small town Nebraska, and were very much, you know, you work hard, you achieve, and they never they never pressured me so much to. Like my, my my dad's a doctor. He's been he he's a world renowned physician. What kind of doctor he, is he? He's a pulmonologist. He does he does lung medicine. He's the world's expert on tuberculosis. Literally wrote the textbook. Has traveled around the globe, given lectures, and and but he never pressured me to go into medicine. There was never a time where he said... Did you feel like you had to? No, it was kind of the opposite of... of I think it was more... My dad loved his job so much that it was more... Uh, 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 he just led by example, where I saw someone who was so committed to to doing something that made a difference that he was passionate about. And when you're around that, you can tell. I, I, I think we've all been around either parents or loved ones or people who love their job, who make a difference, and then people who don't. And you see the happiness level. And I could see how much my dad, the satisfaction he derived from it. So so growing up, I always had this role model of my dad who is this- Are you an only child? No, I had an older brother. Okay. I, I have an older brother. <laughs> oh boy, I got <laughs> rid of him real fast. Right, 
no, and, and so he and I both were, you know, you were just brought up, you, you were brought up to think of achievement. And, and the other thing was entertainment was never on my radar. Never. So I grew up playing sports year round and doing school. You played professional and, football. No, I played. I played baseball in college, which I probably could have gone pro at. I wanted to, you know. I just <laughs> state here, it was rigged against me. Like they said, you're not good enough, which is their way of saying you're too good. I know. Um, no, so I played sports growing up, and, and but but never thought, you know, never did the school play, never sang, never did anything creative. Just never thought. Never thought um, entertainment was a was was something. I was from Denver. At what and, age did you decide you were going to follow in your dad's footsteps? So it was during college when I really kind of when you really say, all right, what's my major going to be? What am I going to do? And that was when I sat down and said, all right, what what am I good at? What makes me happy? And I'm like, I, I'm I'm really good at science. I I'm really good. I think at 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 academics and I really like people. I like making people being around people and making them happy. So on paper it was the perfect fit. But then you realize you don't live your life on paper. You don't realize this till later. Right. That you don't live your life on paper. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of money. A lot of money. Thank God for my grandparents. They held out. But so, you know, you go into it and I think medicine's the perfect career. And any reservations I had or any, you know, as I was going through school, there were times where there, there were times where I thought maybe this isn't the best fit, but you just feel, I also knew that I was not the most mature person as well still, despite, despite doing well in school and, and, and being able to show up on time. I think there was a certain amount of, I still just loved, you know, whether it was playing sports or whether it was school, like being the class clown or being the guy who made people laugh. That was always kind of, you know, I wanted to have a good time and, but I always thought, listen, I'll grow up. I always figured at some point you become an adult. You stayed in I did. School. I went through so I went through med school. I got my MD. I graduated with honors from Columbia Med School in New York. Can you believe I got this? the MD was was doing training residency in Colorado and was actually, you know, seeing patients. My dad's a professor there, so Christmas Day of night I mean I'll never forget Christmas Day of 1998. I was home and my dad was the attending physician. I was his his uh, intern. So we we saw his Christmas gift was us getting to work in the hospital together on Christmas morning. And I thought for him, he was so I think he was so happy and so proud to be oh, like going sure. around to the nurses and the patients oh. like this is Dr. Eisman's son. Look at Dr. Eisman, 6'4", yeah. so gorgeous. My and my my dad's, you know, my, my dad's like he's a mountain Do of a man. You look like your dad? Yeah, and uh guys, just, he's so handsome, I can't tell you. He's my dad. Not, Me, not your dad, um, you. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it but, but it was just shortly thereafter I realized that you just, I just woke up one morning and I realized. Wait, so Christmas morning. Christmas morning. You're there and yeah. all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and you're like, nah, I don't I no, think I want to be. No, it was a month later, a month after that, a month after like the greatest Christmas gift I could have given my dad, I realized I'm in the hospital and I just realized my heart wasn't in this. And it was this feeling of we've all been, you know, whether it's a relationship or a job or whatever where you're not committed and you know, okay, I can. You can put out. up a certain. Yeah. You can do, you can put up with certain things, but I realized with medicine, it's not a job; it's a calling. People's lives are in your hands, and it was just this feeling of 
I was walking around. All of a sudden, I had this realization. I'm not doing my patients any favors because they're not getting the best of me. And I'm not doing myself any favors because I feel like a fraud. I feel like I'm going around and I'm not giving them the best care. And I just had this tremendous guilt. I felt like I was just a fraud, like I was acting like a doctor. And nobody died. There was nothing. Let me get that out there for the lawyers. You can go back. No one passed away. You didn't kill anybody. But it was one of those things where I just felt like I have to, I have to change something. But how something. do you go from that to a comedian? That's, you know, it was, that, the, the hardest part actually was accepting, for, for me it was admitting to myself and then telling my dad. That's exactly that what was, I was That just, was the yeah, toughest furthermore, part. Furthermore, how did your dad take because, it? Because, I, 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 again, he'd never pressured me, but I knew how much it meant to him, I and think. And you had gone through everything. You were a doctor. Yeah. Well, that's right. As a parent, you're like, we're done. Yes, what we is happening it. here? We've raised an what adult. What goes on around here? We've ra- he's he's going to save lives. <laughs> we did. And then you're like, hold on a sec, mom and dad. Not so fast. Hold my beer. And now I want to be Bozo the Clown yeah. instead of well, Marcus Welby, so MD. It and it wasn't, as though, it wasn't as though I walked away from medicine saying I have to be a stand-up comedian. What did you I, walk away saying? What I said was... I know my heart is not in this right now. I need to take a year and reevaluate and either come back recharged and really apply myself to this or figure out what's missing or I really well, I that's thought really smart, what I thought is I needed to grow up is what I thought. That's what I thought. I thought if I take a year and go out into the real world and a gap uh, year. You were taking a gap year. A gap year. Take a gap year in the middle of training, <laughs> walk away from saving lives. <laughs> And I thought, you know, I could be a ski bum, I could travel the world, I could work construction, or I'd done stand-up about three or four times in med school, and I thought, you know what, I've never done anything creative, I'm looking for something to completely clear my mind, just to reset it, just to try to say, because I felt, sometimes in life, I think you can get on a kind of a conveyor belt, where one decision leads to another, and it's just all of a sudden you look up, and... From elementary it's school, it's passed you by, yeah. and you're you're doing something that you these little decisions. There was no grand plan; it's just little brave, decisions leading you, to it. This is one reason I call you a warrior. Do you know how brave that was? It. I, I appreciate you saying that because it didn't feel brave. It felt it felt terrifying in that it was. Well, I think you were feeling a little combination of disappointing your family. That was it. That was it. And the terrifying moment of who are you now? And what are you going to do? Who am I? What am I going to do? And what is? Yeah, did, did I just so brave? Waste everything. You really should take and, take that. Well, I appreciate it because because it was. It was the hardest thing was sitting my, my dad killed, down. If you were my killed, I'd have killed you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, it right uh, now. what parent wouldn't? What? And honestly, you know, people should question what kind of parenting <laughs> was that to not smack me. I mean, I don't advocate hitting a child, but I thought when I was 27, I was an adult. I probably needed a smack just to go. You're a doctor. Go save lives. They don't need someone out there telling jokes. So to sit him down and tell him, and, and, and that was the hardest part was sitting across from him and saying, you know, my heart's not in this. I'm thinking of trying something else. I'm thinking of going out to LA and just do stand up for a year. I wish you would have had a camera and taken a picture of his face at that moment. Well, here's the thing. And, and this is to my dad's everlasting credit. Cause I knew my mom, my mom had always been, um, I, I think a little more, do what supportive you want, yeah. a little bit but, but yeah. not that dad wasn't but i just felt like dad is also the one who you know you're 
the traditional role of the dad is to knock some sense into you. And I thought I was going to, you know, this was going to be a discussion. And he just, first words out of his mouth after I said it were, life is short, do what makes you happy. And they just, they were like, we don't care if you're pumping gas, you've got an education. You've, you've, you can always, we've done our job. And we, and what they said was, we believe you'll make something of your life some way. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. I know. Instead, (laughs) here I am with Stevie Nicks doing a podcast. No, and I, I, so so to me, that moment was the biggest because that felt like that was your defining moment. I wasn't even worried about coming out to LA. I wasn't worried about whether it would work. I wasn't thinking that far ahead. I was just thinking of getting out of that restaurant alive with my dad. I cannot. And when they said "go with our blessing," it just felt like. It felt like this weight had been lifted. Well, I'm sure. And so I end up moving out to LA and it's it's I'm doing open mics at LA. And and for those who don't know stand up comedy, the oh. open mic scene is awful. I'm performing in front of three comics. I'm bombing. It's terrible. Who were your mentors? Who who did you well, look up to? So I looked up to Brian Regan, who's still one of the greatest comedians of all time. I didn't know him. I just listened to his C D nonstop. I ended up meeting two great friends who moved out unbeknownst to each other. We all moved out September first, nineteen ninety nine. PJ Walsh and Michael Batts. The three of us moved out here, all kind of a similar situation where we but they were two doctors and well, they walked away. So PJ Walsh literally was he was in the Marines. He ended up being a dental technician. He worked in the White House on President Clinton. Michael Batts, he was a football star at Indianapolis, at University of Indianapolis, was doing software sales. Same things, had a job. And all three of us decided we want to try this comedic thing. And so I think we were all drawn to each other. And and one of the things Are you all still good friends? We're still best friends. We're PJ and our godparents to Michael's kids. And it's That's so cool. It's what's amazing is I think my best friends out here are some of the people I met in that first year. And there's it's almost like college. There's a when you move out to LA, you have a class. There's a certain amount of you know people who not your age, but who move out at the same time, who you go through things together. Your That's first cool. auditions, you bond. it's who a you, bonding experience. You bond, yeah. and you need that because yeah. this is a business of no of rejection, and to have people who are like, it's okay, you're not funny, but you'll get funny, and who who just have your back to have that crew. I think is when people ask, you know, what's the se- there's there's no secret to making in this business. It's it's working your determination, working for your sure. ass off, and it's just refusing to you know you got to no. take a million yeah. no's. Yeah, you got it because I've been out here. What was now, your first paid gig? My first paid gig in comedy was uh, in comedy. Well, my very first paid gig was in it was I was an extra on the Drew Carey show. Oh. As a baseball player, because I played baseball in college, right? and that led to me getting an agent, which led to me getting Clean TV house? commercials. No. Oh. So I started getting TV commercials early on. So now, as a resident, you're making subsistence wage. I mean, especially considering the debt you have. You're, I was making, I think, 32000 a year when I was working as, a, as an MD. Right. In training, you're making about 32000 a year, while you're six figures in debt. I come out, I start doing commercials, and I'm making, you know- Bank two or three times six figures. Yes, you're making a lot of money, and so so you guys I'm making off. crazy amounts so of money early your, on. Right, start to pay things off. I'm making money. I'm working very early on, and at that point, then the financial success takes some of the pressure off. Going, all right, I can stay around a little longer. But it was really more. It was the feeling of being on stage and that sense of this is what I was meant to. Oh, do. you felt right at home. Oh. 
I, I still to this day, it is pathetic how if there's an audience. Oh, I know. I, mean, I it, see you. Know, you. I you see well, you guys you. were so kind to have me out to to your USO benefit Our Bob at Hope 6 a.m. Yes, and you were funniest. And, Crap. But but I mean we're out there at six a.m. doing stand up, yes. which is the complete opposite of what it should be. Yes, and it's such an electric room, and we're so happy to be there. And you're so grateful anytime you get on stage. Still to this day, if I have if I have people listening to me, I'm at my am I my happy place? It's I I, I call I mean like I think people go into stand up for two reasons: either they weren't hugged enough as a child, or they were hugged too much. I was the latter. My mom was just constantly, "You're amazing, you're wonderful," and so the audience is my mom's hugs. Well, That's that is what it fantastic. Is. All right, hold yeah. on, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, so look, I wanted to uh, let you in on something. I recently started drinking smart water because, not because I thought I could get smarter, although there's that, because I heard it's healthier. It's got electrolytes, added minerals, and I'm not going to lie, it totally tastes better than the bottled water I've been drinking for years. Plus, like I said, it's called smart water. So either it must make you smart or you can wish. Either way, I must be smart because I love smart water and that in itself makes me smart. You too. Enjoy it. Okay, we're back. We're back on we're what back. goes. We're back on what goes. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Let me hear that, Arnold. Yay. We're back. I told you. <laughs> I'll be back. Now, by the way, for those of you that don't know, uh, Matt Eisman won Celebrity Apprentice. Which, by the way, let's just cut to the chase. Nobody knows because nobody won. That you became know, the most polarized TV well, show let me, of all time. Let me, well, tell, you, let me time. tell people why. Because he didn't do it with uh, Donald Trump. Right. He did it when Donald Trump left. And Arnold Schwarzenegger came in. But I think people did watch because people wanted to see how Arnold would do. Yeah. There was, you know, what what, what we saw, what we saw was the show, you know, we filmed the show, so, you know, to pull Tell the curtain us about back. about that, yeah. So we filmed it in February of, I think it was 16. So at that point, the previous boss was just one of 16 vying for the, for the Republican nomination. Nobody thought he had a chance. Right. So we're filming this show. NBC is like, look, we know this is a format that works. Mark Burnett, who's a reality giant, it's, this is the 15th season. Mark Burnett does Survivor. Yeah, he does he's a, done everything. Yeah, he does a lot. And they thought Schwarzenegger was the perfect cast. It'll be splashy. So, you know, NBC's I like, thought that was a good this idea is going to be a big splash. But then... Um, the previous boss continues to stay in the election. So we were supposed to start airing in September of 2017 during the election times. The previous boss stays in the election. It gets very polarized. They're like, we're going to push it. And all of a sudden we start to sense how this show now is becoming a litmus test for the division of America. (laughs) And so he wins and now we're pushed to air in January And he keeps his name on as as an executive producer. So what we saw was people who loved him wouldn't watch because he wasn't hosting. Uh. People who hated him wouldn't watch because he was still an executive producer. So we had a sponsor, because the the whole, for those who don't know, it's essentially a charity show where brands come in. you brought in a ton of money. I got got very lucky. It was great. But but it was, the brand started pulling out too, and so it became very politicized, which was unfortunate because I got to meet Schwarzenegger. And there's, for me, growing up in the 80s, there's no one bigger than Can you Arnold. imagine this kid from Denver who's I, running around a hospital thinking he's going to be a doctor, I, and now he's meeting Arnold Schwarzenegger? The amount of times, I, and one of the great things, I think, um, for me was that I, that I you know, look, I, I'm, I'm in reality TV. I know where I stand on the, on the fame totem pole. So 
to get to be in a show like this where you're hanging out with Vince Neil of Motley Crue yes. and Boy George and uh, oh, Eric Boy Dickerson. Was so fun. He was great. So and fun. For me to meet all these people who've been famous for so long, half the every day, every single day, at, at least one point, I would step back and send like my buddies a text going, I'm in a van listening to Vince Neil and Ricky Williams tell stories about the glory days. You must it's have thought than you I, this is imagine. a dream. It was incredible. This and, is a dream. You know, you're talking to Schwarzenegger, we're we're getting to do these amazing tasks. It was it was, it's absolutely still a career highlight. And then to get to win and to get to Do have stayed. Do they pay in, you for that? A little bit. Okay. I mean, we, you know. Because you do take It's not a small work. amount, but it's not, um, it's not, you know, the, the majority of the money goes towards the charity because most of the people there are like Vince Neil, who has sold 100 million records and wears a quarter million dollar watch. They're not people who host reality TV shows who are like, you know, if NBC wants to throw a little extra cash my well, way. Let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about what went on there and what that charity was. For you, this is really personal yeah. because you're a cancer survivor. Cancer survivor, yes. That's number one. Yes. Number two, you're diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. Is this God's practical joke since you decide not to be a doctor? I'm, he decided well, to hammer you. You know, if you think I'm great on paper, <laughs> wait till you see my genetic reports. Yeah. So, so I had kidney cancer and rheumatoid arthritis. How did all of that Change so your life. The the rheumatoid arthritis really hit me hard. So it, it and this was the charity that you played for. So the arthritis foundation has been my charity. Now I I was a you know very healthy person until I turned thirty and I started having these various aches and pains. And it took again. I'm a doctor. My dad's a doctor. My <laughs> friends are doctors. I had great health care. I have I, access to everything you could want. And I started having these aches and pains. Now I'm 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 getting them checked out. I'm going to doctors. I'm seeing rheumatologists who are the ones who would diagnose this. They're running blood work. I'm seeing and the over a year and a half, my body fell apart. Um, I started having pain in the joints and the hands and feet, neck and back. I started losing energy to the point where I was sleeping 10 to 12 hours a day. I became uh, unable to work out. So I, I started, I, I, I didn't stop eating. So I gained, <laughs> I gained about 50 pounds. I'd lost my energy. I just became an old man over a year and a half. Now I'm seeing, you know, rheumatologists, I'm seeing orthopedic surgeons, podiatrists, I'm seeing acupuncturists, I'm seeing herbalists, I'm seeing Chinese medicinal therapists, anything and, and everything. Nothing's working. Be- when nothing is working, you'll try anything. And yeah. so even having been trained in Western medicine, I'm like, if you don't have any answers, I know something's wrong, even if you can't tell me. Even if the tests aren't saying it. And so eventually, after 18 months, they do diagnose me with rheumatoid arthritis. I start treatment and I get my life back. And it and was how you feel today. Today I you know, I look, I'm 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 I, I did have some damage. I it could be a lot worse, but I'm not I'm not the the, you know, spring my Olympic my my ninja career is done. Let's just put it that way. It could be a lot worse. Like if this is you know between cancer and this, I've been very lucky in that kidney both these cancer? things are. I, I had kidney That's cancer. My father had kidney cancer, and I, I the only did reason you lose they a caught kidney? it because my dad did one, not part of one twelve percent. So they caught it because of the rheumatoid arthritis saved my life from cancer. They only caught it because they were vigilant with the RA. They found this tumor early, took it out, but it was one of these. Again, it's a reminder of and. The the thing is, well, you should have been a doctor. You could have saved yourself. Like, no. What I saw is the people who took care of me, the people who solved these issues, the people who stuck with it, they should be doctors. And they are. And they are. And thank God they are. And that's why I, on the other hand, realize what I can do is to try to raise money for the charity, to try to help empower these people who are committed to it and to fundraise and to look for these cures. And so... 
what's nice is, look, it's a ridiculously self-centered, narcissistic business we're in. I know that. I know what I do doesn't actually change lives. Hold although on Ninja a second, Warrior can though. be positive. Hold on a second, though. You hold two Guinness World Records. <laughs> so hold on a second. This is a game changer, Lisa. Come on, man. All right. One for putting on the most Christmas sweaters at once. Ladies. How many I know. Were there? Are, the, are the phones blowing up? How I think many I did. There? Well, we had like 13. I think I got seven on at the same <laughs> 30 seconds. I'm not a small man. They were big the sweaters. Other, uh, the other for? was the most baseballs thrown back and forth in, uh, across 30 feet in a minute. And I, I played baseball in college. Now, I will issue this caveat. Guinness may have come to us with two records that had not previously been established. <laughs> So that we were virtually guaranteed to establish the world records. I will say, I don't believe I'm currently the world record holder in either category, but I do have the certificates. All right. So look, let's talk about your TV stuff. It started out clean house, five and a half years until you say hoarders hoarded your act. It did. And this is, this, it's so, it's so interesting when you watch the cycle of, of television and you see, cause this, this. So, Clean House was a home makeover show where we dealt with cluttered stuff. Niecy Nash, who's a three-time Emmy-nominated actress, the best. She's so on Claws funny. on TNT. And and our show dealt with people who were just this side of hoarding. And we had people who were hoarders, but we're like, we can't help them. That's not going to be a good show. Right. Hoarders comes out, and it's it made our show look like... Rinky-dink. Rinky-dink. <laughs> and it's the same thing, honestly, that Ninja Warrior, I think, did to Wipeout. Where Wipeout was this oh, awesome right. show on ABC, a ton of fun, but then our show comes out and seems to be more hardcore athletic. And that's just the nature of the, Eventually, something's going to come make us obsolete. That's the nature of this business. And so, you know, you realize it. You, you ride something as long as you can, try to keep it fresh, but eventually some dirty bastard with a messy house is going to steal your show. But that's okay, because after that, things really picked up for you. Now, I'm going to tell a little bit of a side story how I met Matt. Right. Because it, I believe you were there with your boss from American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Right? Arthur? Yeah. Weren't yeah, you yeah, there yeah, with yeah, Arthur? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was with some friends at a Hell's Kitchen. Was it Hell's Kitchen? Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen taping. And I see Matt sitting at a booth with Arthur, who I happen to know from the gym. And I'm looking at Matt going, God, who is that guy? He is so cute. He is so handsome. And I'm driving the people crazy. I don't even know if you know this story. (laughs) And I'm at a table with a couple celebrities myself. One was Tamala uh, Jones, who was on Castle, the ABC show Castle. She got sick and tired of me sitting at that table going on and on about this good looking dude across the way. She goes, God damn it. We're just going to go over there and meet that guy. And she goes, let me just check out his hand. Is there a wedding ring? I go, well, you can't can't really go on that, but all right. So <laughs> she checks it is on, Hollywood. Yeah, you don't really know. Right. So she checks it out and she goes, that's it. We're going over. She literally, you don't know this, literally picks me up from the table, grabs my arm and walks me over to you. This is a superhero story here, isn't it? Well, you were there. Superhero no, origin story. You were story. there. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and she says, hi, what's your name? Who are you? This is Lisa Stanley and she wants to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> and and Matt's like looking at like oh and hi. Gordon Ramsay's hi. like you're interrupting my <laughs> my beef Rothschild. 
And luckily, I knew Arthur, his boss. And so I said, oh, what do you do? He's well, I'm about to host this show, American Ninja Warrior. I believe it was your first season. We were early on at that point. Because we started out on a network that doesn't even exist anymore, G4. So tell us about two things. American Ninja Warrior. One, have you done the course? I know your Uh, your body is not like it used to be, but have you done the course? I've done the course. I've tried it numerous times. And again... I still feel like I'm 20 inside, even though my body is like, <laughs> my mom's telling me no. Uh, so I've tried it numerous. So right now, I, I'm, I'm actually now, you can't see this, but I, I have a, my right ankle is broken. I broke it uh, earlier this year uh, on, the, on course? the course. On the course. Two years ago, I shattered my left foot, had to have surgery. On the course? On the course. And then I just uh, tore my hamstring. Uh, um, this was down in the. This was at RuPaul. <laughs> the drag race. You tore. No, RuPaul. 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 Who I love dearly. I'm, I'm, I'm become friends with RuPaul through, just throughout, and I think is uh, just a phenomenal person, so a phenomenal you must host. Have met my good friend Taylor Dane because they are besties. Oh, Taylor to my home. Yeah, me. I did not meet Taylor. <laughs> I would die. I would. I'm so annoying because I all I would do that. is sing that with Taylor. I could arrange. That. I would just sing Taylor Dane But I tried doing the splits in front of RuPaul and popped my hamstring. So right now I have three injuries I'm nursing. Um, so I've been me, banned from the course. Can you go in your wallet and take out your warrior card? I'm taking it back. It is so <laughs> embarrassing, Lisa. Where when you realize, like, I literally. I'm probably, I don't even know if I'm safe talking about people doing the course anymore. It's awful. All right, awful. what season are we in now? So we're, we're in season 10. Right now, season 10 of American Ninja Warriors airing. Um, we just finished our third season of Ninja vs. Ninja, the spinoff, and we just taped our first ever season of American Ninja Warrior Junior for Universal Kids, which is where we're going to have kids in the age 9 to 14. And this was so annoying. The course is different, though, the than the adults, The course is slightly right? different. I mean, the warped wall ends up being 13 feet. So the, the the original warped wall was 14 feet. We now have kids going on a 13 foot warped wall, and we saw we saw spoiler alert. I, I this well, you're going to get a little spoiler here. So we saw a girl four feet tall get up the warped wall. Four feet tall. How? Nine years old. Just these kids. She's an animal. They're animals. Oh my god. They're in such good shape, and I want to take them oh! and go. You are making me feel old and. <laughs> <laughs> but they're giving me a job, so it's amazing. So wait, so so this is the first season. This is the first season. It's going to start. War, when does it start? This will start uh, in October on Universal Kids, and this will be uh, the kids' version of it. And it's just been what was really cool. I think was what have you learned from these these contestants? You know the 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 great thing about it is for because I grew up playing sports. I played football, basketball, and baseball, and and I'm 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 on the bigger side. I'm I'm more you know I'm six four like two forty. So I'm I'm more traditional old school athlete. And what I love about Ninja Warrior, you don't have is, a Tom Brady dad bod. <laughs> well, let, let's. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Like, we're body shaming the greatest football player of all time. Like, you look a little doughy. Like, it, clearly the guy is not on PEDs anyway. Um, no, and so for me, what I love is to see all these athletes. When I look at some of our athletes, when you think of Casey Catanzaro, our little gymnast who was a breakout, or Drew Dressel. Oh, Casey, I these, remember Casey. These athletes who are a little bit non-traditional. They're, they're probably not tall enough for basketball or big enough for football. And they finally found a sport where they excel. 
And what I love about it is it's more than a sport. It's become this community. And we really saw it with Ninja Junior where we had the we had our adult ninjas mentoring them. But we saw so many, so many of our ninjas who've competed in the past had kids come out. And you saw this is something that families can really do together. It encourages people to lead healthier lifestyles. How Not injuries? me. How many injuries? We had we had we had, well, I, I, I me. Not you. I, I mean, literally. <laughs> Leave you out Again, of it. I, I think we only had one kid passed out from the heat, and that was it. Okay, what about on the regular American Ninja Warrior? Regular course, we, we've had, you know, uh, over, gosh, we've probably had 7,000 different runs. And I think we've had under 15, wow. 15 to 20 that it needed, like, you know, substantial surgery or something which is a ridiculously low number for, I'll say. for the physicality of it. I'll say. And that's a credit to how well prepared the, the athletes are and how well prepared the course is and how safe it is cuz you like again I am proof positive of what happens cuz you can't just go out and attack this you really need to train your body for it otherwise what you're going to be that's broken. That's a good point. So training what do they do how long do they train for and what do they do well, before they get to what you? What we're seeing is it's now become year round and it used to be when we first started out there was nowhere to train. You didn't there weren't obstacles. People didn't have courses. They didn't have gyms. So people would do pull-ups or whatever. But now virtually every state in the union uh, there's there's a gym, there's going to be someone who's competed. So what we're seeing are people are traveling they're opening up their own gyms they're building courses in the backyard with 50 60 some people have 70 obstacles in their backyard and they open up their backyards then to competitions they they've created this community that wherever you go in america you someone will open up their house they'll open up their backyard you can train together and i think that's been the thing that we've seen that's probably been even more impressive than the physical uh, improvement has just been this this supportive community of, and we saw it with with some of the kids. That was the thing, you know. Some of these kids are nine years old, and we saw a kid fall, and he started to cry. And the ninjas came out there, and they're like, "This is part of the sport. Everybody falls." And what a great life lesson for these kids to get. Like, it's okay, it's okay to fall. We've fallen. Your heroes, show, the ones you're looking up to. Show them all your injuries. Show them all my injuries. <laughs> no, they'll terrify them. But to say. You can you can fall and learn these life lessons, which I think sport is invaluable at teaching. That it's okay, you're going to stumble. Sometimes you win, but the real message That's is life. It's life, yeah. and the best message about Ninja Warrior is the people who do the best are the ones who work the hardest. It's not about who has the most talent or who's the luckiest. It's the ones who consistently put the effort in, do well, and that's that's what we see in this you in know, any business. But you know what Whoopi Goldberg says about luck, and I'm sure a million other people do. I know you say we're lucky to have the these jobs and we are and we're so grateful i mean i honestly i know you are and and so am i but but whoopi says that uh there's no such thing as luck luck is when preparation meets opportunity i i agree with that too i i agree you know you're you're i i don't want to i don't want to discount the fact i think that some people feel i i feel we're we're fortunate at least we in sure that are. you know we 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 definitely took some chances prepare, and put ourselves and absolutely we did work for it absolutely and and but i also know that when i look at my job i think i think i'm incredible i think i'm remarkable but i also know there are a lot of people who had they had this job the show would have done just as well and so as much as i would love to say without me this show wouldn't exist that's, you know i know that's not true so i also feel there is there's there is sometimes where you just need to just be grateful. Be, be grateful. And that's it. Because but- we see so many people who aren't, 
who right. talk themselves out of jobs, who who alienate people, and who who Roseanne Barr. Well, you you just see that this career, and especially now, I think it's become much more visible. Where things will, you know, things can get taken away from you. You bet. And speaking of which. What's your ultimate dream job? Game show? You want to uh, do a game show? I would love to do a game show. Because I, really, I love games. Because I, I love could trivia. see. Well, you're such a nerd. I People lo- probably I don't know this. He's such a Harry Potter nerd. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But you that could come in handy on a game show. Yeah. And I kind of see in my head you, like Alec Baldwin, holding one of those old fashioned yeah, yeah. mics. And, and doing a I, game show. You know, it's for for me. It's it's. I, I would love to do the, You know, the, the the Tonight Show is obviously the dream gig. I grew up grew up watching you would Johnny Carson. Do that? I would love to do the late night, the personality driven thing, the fun stuff. Really? But but for me, w- what I would love to do is honestly just have something where I have an audience where I get to be myself and 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 put as much personality into it and have a great time. I always feel like I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want to make anybody feel bad. If anyone I'll make an ass out of myself. But I want to th- I always feel like I'm throwing a party, you know. Well, you do kind of have that atmosphere when you work on his 99th job and that's Home and Family Show on yes. Hallmark with my dear friend Debbie. Oh, Debbie Matz is She's the best. She's my spirit animal. But listen, you should go and make yourself your own little show, put it on YouTube or do something. So it's funny you say that cuz I I my buddy Matt Rogers and I we did one where it's just called Don't Embarrass Me and the idea was he's one of my best friends who I met on Home and Family who moved to Nashville and we used to just mess with each other and we're like how are we going to mess with each other if you're in Nashville and we came up with we'll go on Instagram live where you could split the screen right. and one of us will be will be the pawn and the other one is there just taking suggestions from people and it's kind of like a practical jokers where it's just like all right what are we going to do cuz we both travel a ton like we're in the airport I'm like you can challenge me to do anything for the next five minutes as I get my flight at Chicago's O'Hare Airport, and so like he'll have to go. He'll have me going up to people, going, "Excuse me, where's the bathroom? I have to poop really badly. You have to go say that to three people distinctly and do it in a minute." And it's so much fun. That's like Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, she puts in yes. the earbuds into the celebrities, and she made like Adele go to the Starbucks or one of those yes. coffee places and and rip out the grass from there and eat him. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I love. I love. <laughs> doing that stuff. I love doing things where people at home are laughing at you and you're just having a good time. Are you a so. prankster? I, I'm I a prankster. Know that about well, I love you. it. I love I, again. I like things. You know, I never want someone to be embarrassed by a prank. I want to be like, hey, let's let's laugh. I'll you know you can surprise. So yeah, Ninja Warrior. One time they um, we were finishing a shoot up in Simi in Simi Valley, and they they tied a rubber snake to me by fishing line. Now all week long they'd been setting this up, going there are poisonous rattlesnakes in the area. You have to be cautious of snakes. <laughs> so the final shot on the final day. They set it up and they go, snake! And so I turn and I move. Now, it's tied to me. So as I move, the snake starts coming towards me. So I start sprinting. And as I sprint, the snake is jumping in the air. And I'm yelling, snake, snake! Now, that's what I thought I sounded like. I watch the video and you just hear me go, squealing, squealing, tiptoeing away. It was one of those moments of... That was not how it played out in my head. Okay, that is priceless. Yeah, I, so I love being embarrassed. Is there a video of that? There is. <laughs> if you go I to YouTube Matt Eisman Snake, wait, <laughs> careful. YouTube Matt Eisman Snake video, I think. They're just ninja, maybe. Careful what you search for. 
<laughs> oh, this has been too much fun. Uh, oh, Matt, you are just. Lisa, you really I, are. I, I, love I so you. appreciate I you having me you. in. It's such a blast. All right, I'm so, so happy tell for everybody. You, you know what? I'm having a good time. And yeah. here's, here's what I want to do. Not to go back to me, but here's what I want to do. Right. I want to take this podcast on television and do like a Tom Snyder, yeah. Barbara Walters one on one with you celebrities and just have a conversation, which nobody does anymore. Nobody does. And that's. And it's such missing. short attention span. There's no span. Barbara Walters, no Diane Sawyers. No. Oprah, I think, has the master class she's doing with yeah. celebrities. But there really is room for me. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so I'm just saying that's really what I enjoy the you know, most. But this is, and what a message this is. Here you are. You've been on the radio. You're you're a star in the biggest market. And you're still hustling. Oh, I'm going like, to hustle till the day and, and I that's, die. To me, that's the lesson I think that I always try to impart to people. Like, I call never, this act two. Yeah. This is act two. Well, and plan for act seven and act <laughs> ten because, I, you know, again, it's one of those things of even if I made enough money to where I never had to work again, I love working. Yeah, see, that's And I want to work. I want to work till I drop dead. Yeah. That's just that, what I want to do. I want to die on stage telling <laughs> a joke. I want to die on this microphone. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That'd be dramatic. Did, did we get it? <laughs> All right, so tell everyone where they can find you. Let us know. Tell us about, uh, again, American Ninja. So American Ninja Warrior every Monday night on NBC at 8 p.m. Um, uh, Ninja vs. Ninja hopefully will be coming back this fall. Uh, uh, Ninja Junior on Universal Kids this fall. Check me out on social media. It's at Matt Eisman on everything. M-A-T-T-I-S-E-M-A-N. I spend way too much time online. I know, but you're funny online. I, I have such it. a good time with you. I and you can it. find me at Instagram or IG, as the kids call it. Big. <laughs> Ig, uh, Lisa Stanley 30 or on Twitter Lisa K Earth and this has really been a blast and you are to me You're the me, best Stevie Nicks <laughs> <laughs> You are to me the true American Ninja Warrior Oh that made my day <laughs> <laughs>